this is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by JC McWilliams, Vice President of Managed Care at BJC Healthcare. JC, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Great. Thanks for having me, Laura. Now, I'm really looking forward to our conversation and learning more about what you're doing at BJC with value-based care and other initiatives. But before we dive into the broader discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Be happy to. I think... Um, Beyond, as you had mentioned, I currently serve as the Vice President of Managed Care for BJC Healthcare in St. Louis, where I lead the system's payer strategy and operations and our direct employer solutions. And over my career, I've done managed care contracting for community and academic multi-specialty medical groups and integrated health systems. In addition, I've led network management, strategic planning, marketing, and communications for provider-sponsored health plans. Well, that's amazing to hear and definitely a, a big task these days. I know healthcare is a web of complex systems. And so, you know, and looking at where you're at right now, what are some of the big trends you're noticing, especially in value-based care? Is there anything that health systems should be thinking more about? Yeah, there's a lot going on in the value-based care space. I've got a number of observations I'd love to share. And I think for starters, you know, as health systems continue to grapple with unprecedented uh, operating cost inflation, and operational issues dealing with health plans, I'm seeing health systems, including my own, uh, continue their efforts to try and advance their value-based care initiatives and grow the number of patients tied to VBC programs. I believe this, there is staying power uh, in the need to create better value and overall affordability of care for employers and patients. However, the trend in adopting or even maintaining VBC programs continues to vary by provider uh, due to a myriad of challenges. So I'd love to share maybe a few examples of those challenges if, if you think that'd be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's definitely something that a lot of organizations across the country are facing and certainly any insights that you have or, or, or challenges that you can specifically point out and talk through would be so helpful for us. Sure, and I think I just want to reiterate the, the concept of, of value-based care programs or, or BBC programs you know, having staying power. So I don't think it's an issue of uh, whether or not the, the quest for, for delivering better value uh, is an issue. I, I think that's here to stay. Uh, I do think, though, that there are plenty of challenges uh, in front of us that we're, we continue as health systems to try to continue to work through. Uh, for example, many VBC arrangements are focused on the health of the defined population uh, and the patients attributed to an organization's primary care providers. However, the ability to grow health systems PCP base is challenged due to the lack of available providers, which is exacerbated by the continued disintermediation of traditional medical groups and health systems by new players in the market. So we hear about lots of different examples of that as uh, health insurance carriers, um, and as new primary care-focused organizations continue to, uh, to attract and, and recruit primary care, it creates that many more challenges for traditional medical groups and health systems like ours to be able to, to attract and, and recruit PCPs. And that's a big driver 
uh, and a foundational element within uh, the value-based care space. I think another thing I, I would think of is, in addition, uh, you know, studies of BBC outcomes continue to show that two-sided arrangements, uh, those that include gain sharing and deficit sharing, produce the most provider engagement and progress under VBC arrangements. But we're continuing to see challenges in getting consistent, timely, accurate, and as I like to say, actionable data from health plans. And without this information, which really is the lifeblood of these programs, providers aren't gonna be comfortable entering into a VBC arrangement. You can imagine, uh, or I should say, comfortable entering into a VBC arrangement with deficit exposure. You, know, you can imagine how challenging the VBC programs can be and the, the prospect of having deficit exposure where you could literally be writing out checks for millions of dollars back to a health plan and, and to enter into a situation like that without really clear, timely, and accurate data uh, is really impossible. I think there's, there's some other challenges that include lack of transparency in, in the VBC financial performance and how that gets reported from the plans uh, back to providers. And I think that does hinder the deeper collaboration between providers and health plans, which is really necessary to try to sustain and grow these programs. Uh, another thing I was thinking about is there continues to be the challenge of too many quality metrics across so many VBC programs. So when we think about how quality is obviously an important part of a value-based care program, you look at the number of metrics that any given health system is attempting to, to manage and to perform under, uh, our health system alone is, is looking at over 150 uh, value-based uh, or quality-oriented metrics in these programs, which gets incredibly difficult to try to uh, manage from a scorecard standpoint and to enable providers to have the information that they need to move the needle on so many different areas of focus. I think collectively this is having the effect of slowing BBC uptake and success or even leading to backtracking in terms of two-sided risk arrangements moving to gain share only, or even dropping value-based care altogether and going back to just pay for performance bonus structures. If, if we're unable to get the information that we need uh, in partnership with the health plans. That's such an interesting point. And especially looking at, you know, the quality of data and the interoperability and transparency between the providers and the payers, it certainly seems to be a huge area uh, that is challenging and, and really makes it hard to do true value-based care. Do you see any movement in the direction of being able to forge the types of relationships that are needed to get closer to an ideal value-based care program? Or is it real, really still um, very much a challenge to kind of create that connection in, in being a space where you've got the relationship where you can share data more or less back and forth? Yeah, I, it's a great question. I, I would say it's impossible to have uh, really deep collaboration with, with all the major payers that a health system uh, works with. I think um, it, it's just a practical situation where some payers are going to be more of an arm's length relationship and their programs and tools may be mediocre. And so that's not an area uh, that a provider is probably gonna try to uh, put a lot of focus on. But then there are also payer relationships um, in some circumstances where the, the, the provider and the payer really do have a deep, deeper relationship. They may be both not-for-profits, they may be both in this, uh, based in the same market. And there might just be that, that deeper uh, alignment of incentives and, and community focus. And in those circumstances, 
it's really worth working hard together to figure out where are there shortcomings in the data and tools. And we've seen situations with, with uh, let's say, a local base provider um, uh, health plan, I should say, um, where, where they've been really willing to, to work with us, roll up their sleeves, drive improvements in data and availability and transparency. Uh, and, and then even in those situations where you've got a lot of things lined up well and the relationship is going relatively well, you can still struggle in terms of overall performance for lots of different reasons. And there can still be some some fits and starts in terms of uh, the, the data availability or the platform the health plan might be using gets changed out. And then you end up taking one, uh, one step back uh, in in the journey. That's a really great point and certainly excellent insight um, based on, you know, the different types of relationships you have. And I can imagine across the country, health systems are experiencing the same thing, you know, in their own markets. Now, could you tell us about the most exciting and impactful initiative or project that you're working on right now? Sure. Uh, there are many important efforts happening across BJC Healthcare, uh, of course, and, and within the area of payer strategy even specifically. But one exciting initiative we're working on is the continued development of our direct-to-employer or D2E solutions, as we refer to them. Uh, this effort is designed to create direct engagement between our health system and employers on how to improve the health status and cost trends associated with their employee-independent population. And by focusing on the total cost of care and a holistic view of the employer's population, we're finding these efforts to be a significant and sustainable example of value-based care and alignment of incentives between our health system and the employers that we're partnered with. And this is leading to innovation and success that we're excited to grow and build upon. We've been doing that for the last couple of years, uh, launched it uh, amazingly during the pandemic, um, and we're now enjoying uh, the, the benefit of, of some of those relationships now going on their third year and a number of those employers renewing uh, for the second or third time now. Um, in, in the program. So we're excited about some of the traction we're seeing and, and how we're uh, starting to get the word out and, and attract uh, more employers to, uh, to work more, more closely with us. It's really impressive to hear, especially standing up something like that during the pandemic and, and then, you know, continue to iterate and, and having uh, the employers come back and, and partner with you time and time again. Uh, from your perspective, what's worked particularly well within those relationships? I, I think especially for um, health systems that are looking into their own communities and seeing potential employers, whether they're large employers or medium-sized that really are, are eager um, for that kind of direct relationship, where do you see really, um, I guess, things about your program that worked really well and, and people really appreciated and, and were the reasons why they came back? Yeah, I would say that that very similar, not surprisingly, to the to the important elements in, in a value-based care uh, program as we were talking about. Um, those those important success drivers are are very much part of the direct employer relationship, and so when you think about the ability to provide timely actionable data, when you think about the whole concept of transparency um, and alignment of incentives, all those things we've found absolutely need to be in place in our employer relationships. So we make sure that the third party administrator we use for uh, claims processing or the pharmacy benefit manager that we've lined up for the program uh, has a commitment to transparency 
as a commitment to providing timely information to the employer so that they are really uh, armed with with good insights and data. And that just helps foster the partnership that we have with them. So when we were able to identify specific uh, cost drivers or consider uh, uh, specific areas of concern for an employer's uh, specific population, then we're able to, to use the data to dig into that. So we might find out that uh, the, the employer has uh, a particular cost driver around diabetes. And we're finding that by helping to identify that and to help them create benefit plan designs that are what we refer to as, as smart benefits in the industry, uh, where you're, you're eliminating or reducing cost sharing for those, uh, those, those uh, drugs or insulin in, in the case of diabetes, and making sure that there aren't barriers to actually helping someone uh, partner on, on managing their chronic condition. And then the beauty of that is it's a virtuous cycle. As folks are able to better comply with their treatment plans, they're also able to have improved health status overall. That leads to better presenteeism from an employer's vantage point. And you find that you can clearly see how the employer, the patient, uh, i.e. employee, and the health system are working together uh, in that, uh, that effort. Absolutely. That, that's such a great point and definitely excellent to see what um, a great collaboration you've built in the teams and the program. Um, it just sounds like an amazing success story. So I, I appreciate you sharing with us. Certainly. Yeah, we're getting we're getting some good traction. We're excited to see it, it grow and evolve. And I think it's important that uh, health systems recognize that uh, on the one hand, health systems may have their own provider sponsored health plan, which is fantastic because then they've got that fully uh, uh, developed vehicle. And then in other cases, you've got a, a health system that oftentimes doesn't have their own provider-sponsored plan, but that shouldn't limit their ability to work directly with employers, especially self-funded employers, uh, where they're actually paying the bills. And to be able to help them better manage uh, their employee population is a win-win. Absolutely. Got it. Well, before we wrap up our conversation here, I know it takes an incredible amount of leadership to develop any types of new programs and, and really um, keep things running. So from your perspective, what is the most important thing that healthcare leaders should do now in order to make sure their organizations are primed for success in the future? I would say besides absolutely needing to have a, a culture and to cultivate um, uh, an employee population that is passionate about the, the organization's mission, uh, that certainly is the starting point to make sure that the health system really fosters uh, that culture, fosters clear understanding uh, across the entire employee population as to what the organization's mission is all about. And with that as the backdrop, uh, I would say it would be beneficial to, for health systems to continue to strive to create value for patients, families, and the employers that they serve. Uh, create and foster programs and align incentives around improving quality of the patient experience and efficiency in care delivery, kind of the traditional definition of value-based care. Uh, you know, don't try to engage in VBC arrangements, as I was saying a moment ago, uh, with every payer. Rather, focus on those health plans who are true partners in terms of transparency, alignment of incentives, and effective support to drive success. In addition, uh, develop opportunities to work more directly with employers, as we were talking about, and their trusted benefits consultants on value-oriented programs, whether it be the specific needs such as an employer-based clinic, all the way to total cost of care, 
for medical and pharmacy benefits like we were talking about before. I think the ability for health systems to be able to fulfill their mission to improve the health and well-being of the people and communities we serve requires strong and productive partnerships with all key stakeholders. And the right approach to value-based care can be a great enabler to this end. JC, I love that. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm-hmm.